Welcome to the pod. My name's Jack Zorat. This is a pod about commentary, sports commentary particularly. My colleague Dan Griffin is with me. Griff, you made that jingle. I did. Very happy with that first play. It's good, isn't it? Really nice. Yeah. It's, it was a bit slow originally. You sped it up and I think that's a real improvement. Thanks, mate. So this is a pod about sports commentary and the first pod, the pilot pod, I'm delighted that we're talking about Barry Davis. You can't really have a better man to bring you into a new pod about the sports perfect commentary. start. He's a hero to many. Um, he's been around for a long time, 80 years old, I believe. Didn't know that. He's eight, he was 80 in October last year. And um, to talk about Barry Davis, we have one of uh, probably his biggest, one of his biggest fans. He has many fans. And a sports commentator in his own right, Ollie Hogburn. Ollie, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am struggling at the moment to work out what is different about this and every other social interaction that the three of us have <laughs> because um, all we do is sit around and talk about commentary. Well, so it seems true. like all we've kind of done here is, is essentially force um, our meanderings upon a wider audience um, and, and take it away from inflicting the pain on our loved ones. And people are hearing it in bars. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There we go. So, <laughs> so that's it. And it's, it's lovely. It's, it's great. And I'm delighted to um, get the chance to speak about Barry Davis, because I, I think you knew that if uh, if I didn't get in there first with Barry Davis, someone else would. And I couldn't come on this pod in earnest and talk about anyone other than the the phenomenal Barry Davis. So thank you for uh, for get, get letting me get in there straight away. Absolute pleasure. It would have probably come up in the first three, you would have thought. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, it's got to. It's got to. Actually, should we have a listen to some of his best bits, which everyone will be very familiar with? How typical of Wimbledon to suddenly remind you that they're not out of the game yet which seemed likely when Yeboah here scored the second oh look at that oh look at that that is wonderful oh that's twice the goal he scored against Liverpool in my book Lee interesting very interesting oh look at his face just look at his face Taken by Walsh. Davis is on the far side. Ainsco coming square. That's the ball. That's a good try. What a goal! Oh, what a goal for the side surely. Oh, Mick Walsh. What a superb goal. I had all these things prepared about what to say about Barry Davis when we listened to this segment, but just listening back to that now, it seems like the ability to go crazy with his voice yeah. and then deliver a really cool line yeah. is one of his key things. You've just um, <clears throat> made a Barry Davis-style point there. You said you had all of these things prepared um, and actually you're not really going to use them. And the interesting thing, if you actually talk to Barry Davis, is that he's a great advocate of not preparing things. Of um, You know, you do all your research, but you don't write lines, you don't write your script. We should clarify, Ollie, you, you actually recently uh, had... Uh coffee and lunch with that. I guys. did, it so, was lovely, yeah. Uh, there really is a real personal element to, there to is. this pod, it's, uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, what, a, what a moment. We share um, a, a producer from, uh, so one of the producers who, who's produced me for a couple of events was Barry's long-time producer on a, a lot of things, um, and she knew that I'm you know, a massive Barry Davis fan, so we must um, all get together for a, a, a catch-up, and, and yeah, and I had the chance to sit around and listen to him talk about his career. He's um, an absolutely lovely human being, which I think is kind of really nice. When the you first meet... thing to get up in their high, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And you know what it's like. You kind of, um, you get that moment where you're going to meet a real 
commentary hero of yours. And it's lovely when they turn out to be exactly as you imagine they're going to be. Yeah. It's such a, a nice chap. Yeah. And he really is. I wanted to know, um, how does he have his coffee? Let me throw it back to you and ask for a prediction. <laughs> Barry Davis takes it black. Definitely. He's got to be black. An espresso. I, I, Thank you. I think he drinks an espresso. Or does he have sugar? Or does he have sugar? No sugar, no, no. Barry Davis. I, see, Griff, that's exactly what I would have seen. <laughs> he has um, lots of milk and sugar. Oh, yeah, no. it really out of left field that. In fact, there was a big, there was a bit of theatre over the the bringing of sugar and the fact that that neither Julie nor I take sugar in our coffee. Um, and and he said we must we must have sugar. It gives us energy. <laughs> well, he's quite right. Yeah. And I thought I don't think Barry Davis needs energy because he is, you know, in in the condition of physical fitness that puts me to great shame. When <laughs> is I, he really? Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. At yeah. eighty years of age, he's in good. Yeah. Name. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very very much so. Yeah. Yeah. But there, the, he takes his coffee with sugar. So Ollie, why do you love Barry Davis so much? He's the best commentator of all time. Um, I, I love loads of commentators. I love list- there's, there's no commentary I don't enjoy listening to. Mm. But for me, Barry Davis has done this better consistently than anyone else has ever done it. Um, he, he had a precision with crafting words, a love of language. I love language, you know, from my life before commentary and teaching, um, from, from my, the fact I, st- I studied English and theatre at university. I, I love words. And I love people who love words. I love a wide vocabulary. I love sharing the richness of words. Mm. So despite the fact he has all of those things, and he's very, very pedantic about usage and abusage of language, he also knows how to be quiet. And I think commentary should have a little bit of formality to it. I am Mm. not a fan of conversational commentary, of the kind of lad banter style of commentary, probably because I'm the least lad bantery human being out there. Um, (laughs) I just like commentary to have... I I think it's not about shouting. Barry Davis has gears. He, on the occasions when he does really bellow, they're judiciously chosen. Yeah. Um, So I think that Mm. there's... There's often too much hyperbole in commentary. I know that probably better than most, having come from a professional wrestling commentary background, <laughs> where hyperbole is the currency of, of broadcasting, and everything's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. Mm. Um, uh, so I just think that, that what Barry Davis was able to do was always find the right words for the right occasion. And as you have alluded to, if he couldn't find the right words, he didn't say anything at all. Sound is beautiful. The sound of a crowd is beautiful. The sound of an athlete bouncing a tennis ball in silence with, with that the only sound you hear in a stadium, that's beautiful. And he would always get that right. Well, briefly, let's flick to your career then, Ollie, um, because uh, as Barry Davis one, one of your heroes, but your career, uh, it started in 2011. Yes. Uh, am I right? Yeah. With commentating on pro wrestling. Mm. Now that soon translated into Greco-Roman freestyle wrestling yes. at the European Games in Baku in Azerbaijan 2015 uh, and since then uh, you've gone on overall to commentate on 26 live sports and an amazing, uh, um, incredible really, uh, additional 32 sports for highlights and you know everyone um, will know that there aren't that many sports in the Olympic Games um, so then you're looking at sports outside of that and uh, for people out there you know they don't. Uh, those those sports are often weird and wonderful. Um, I think it's one of the things that makes me probably employable is that I 
um, and trusted by the people that make these decisions to, to call lots of different things. Um, I, I just, I love sport. I love so many different sports and I, I, I don't really um, see myself only ever calling one particular sport. I, I love the challenge of doing lots of different things. You know, most of the next couple of months for me are gymnastics focused. I've got some tennis kind of sand, sandwiched in, in the middle of that. I love that challenge of my head being in, you know, fully in gymnastics mode, switching into tennis, suddenly doing other different things. I love learning about new sports. I enjoy bringing new sports to an audience, trying to kind of open up um, a sport nobody's ever heard of. You mentioned a lot of them are outside the Olympic movement. I've been lucky enough to work on, uh, along with a, a couple of Olympics, I've done a, a World Games. Um, and then events like the Islamic Solidarity Games, the Asian Indoor and Martial Arts Games. That's where loads of these really idiosyncratic sports come from. Mm -hmm. and, and you find yourself commentating on Kazakh Kuresi, mm -hmm. which is an obscure form of uh, wrestling from Kazakhstan. And I get a real kick out of somebody watching that for the first time and being able to keep them for longer than five to ten seconds. Yes. And would that uh, Kazakh Kuresi, yes. would that be the most... Farest outpost of sport you've commentated on? No, that's Zuhane. Zuhane. Yeah, Zuhane. Um, which is, I'm sure there's many people listening going, oh yes, Zuhane. <laughs> it's, um, it's the only sport that I've ever worked on that when I got to the games, not one single member of the crew working on it knew what it was. <laughs> amazing. Um, and and when you amazing. think about the experience which games was, level, was this, that at? This was the Baku 2017 Islamic Solidarity Games. Okay. Um, and it is a, descended from a system of Persian calisthenics. I, I, I advise people, look into it. It's actually great fun. So everything they do um, is based on Persian warrior training. It's judged artistically by, by a, a, a series of judges. But, yeah, they do things like um, calisthenic exercises with shields to resemble the defensive techniques used by ancient Persian warriors. It's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, remarkable. It's, it, it's artistic cultural and athletic at the same time. So that, I think, is, is definitely the oddest. Well, there's a lot of parallels there with, with Barry's career in terms that he was obviously very famous in football but known across all sports. Uh, and I have it from Wikipedia, so it, this probably <laughs> isn't accurate. But to give you an idea of the range, football, tennis, badminton, ice hockey, ice skating, gymnastics, of course, hockey, cycling, beach volleyball and athletics. I've not heard of... I've not seen any clips of him doing beach volleyball, um, but uh, but it's on Wikipedia, so um, maybe maybe there he is there. Um, so going back going back to Barry and just I, I'm not really too sure exactly where we can pick up here, but just to give you an idea of his career, Ollie, you know it very well, Griff, I'm sure you do as well. Uh, he started broadcasting whilst in the army in the early 60s for Forces Television. Uh, his first football match was a Fairs Cup game between Chelsea and Milan in 1966 for ITV. Now, the Fairs Cup in itself is so strange. It was a forerunner to the UEFA Cup. I'll say, that went, yeah, I thought it did, yeah. But it was, it was there to, ideally, to, to promote international trade fairs. So if you were two teams from a city who had a trade fair, you could enter this cup, they'd have a match, promote the trade fair, and presumably all the people filing out the stadium would then go to the trade fair. I mean, I don't know if it were like that. Was the Fairs Cup the one where very early on um, the teams were actually city teams, so you had a London team competing with sort of a combination of West Ham, Chelsea, Spurs players and, and so on in the very early days, or was that something different? I think that's right, and certainly there's something I read where you can only have one team from one city, yeah. uh, and w which is maybe why 
it was a Milan team. Uh, I don't mm. know that, uh, mm. whether they were, they were allowing twos. But, um, so he, that was his first cutting his teeth in 1966. Then went on to commentate at the World Cup for ITV, but in the northeast, covering games there. I think he covered the Italy North Korea. Yes, I think he did match, as well. Uh, when North Korea won one 0 Well, and if anyone can tell me who the North Korean goal scorer was there, pa- uh, Pack. Oh God, Pack something. Yeah, Pack. Oh no. Oh, this is awful. His <laughs> surname is definitely Pack. Okay. Okay. But I'm, I've got nothing more. We'll leave it. Pack, Pack is an answer. Pack yeah, I'm it. sure. I'm sure that's the the, the goal scorer. After that, he eventually joined the BBC in 1969 and made his Match of the Day debut on the 9th of August that year. Now, I was thinking about this. If you're making your Match of the Day debut uh, in August of that year, you know, three weeks ago, the moon landings happened for Mm. the first time. Um, So, you know, the whole world would have been going mental for that. There must have been a huge temptation for Barry Davis and others, but Barry Davis never prepared a line, I guess, to think, well, how can I I get the moon landing in here? Um, Everyone's, you know, thinking about it. Um, I would have been very tempted to try and do something and probably butchered it horribly. Uh, but um, but I, I don't know what you could do with that. I, I don't know if anyone did. However, it gets more interesting because he then didn't do the game he was meant to do, Leeds v Spurs. Because David Coleman and Kenneth Wollstonehome had the flu. So he was up in Leeds, um, but was then told to get a fast car down to London to call Crystal Palace versus Manchester United. So his debut match, match of the day game yeah. must have been so stressful. Yeah. Can you imagine preparing for a game and then going, ah, uh, Barry, uh, one thing, yeah. you need down in London right now. All the research See, you've done. Yes, this is, I can, because this is the reality of how it all works. Because yeah. that, that exact thing has happened to me on countless occasions. <laughs> it's, it's just what happens all the time is, is you're, you know, you're about to go on. I remember calling the canoe polo gold medal game at the world games and it was the first time canoe polo had actually been televised at the world games um or rather in that that edition so we didn't have any commentators set up for it and i found out i was going to be calling it an hour beforehand and just had an hour to do all the prep whilst trying to keep my eye on the bronze medal game you know beforehand uh just so that i kind of knew what the sport looked like So, um, carrying on with Barry, um, he went on to commentate on Match of the Day for 35 years. Uh, he also, in that time, covered nine World Cups, called the final in 1994. Wow. I think he had 12 European Cup finals, uh, only two FA Cup finals, um, whilst uh, John Motson was given the bulk of those. So, that's kind of a whistle-stop tour, and then he has done so many things in between that. Perhaps, Ollie, um, from your from your conversation with him... Uh, what bits uh, have been woefully incorrect in my brief outline of him and what bits have I totally missed out? No, I, I think you're, you're, you're there. I think you're bang on. I, I think one of the sad things is he, he called only one World Cup final and he unfortunately got one of the worst World Cup finals Gosh. there's ever been. Yeah. In a, a really fun World Cup, the 94 World Cup, you think of things like Daniel Amacarchi's goal and the, you know, the sensational Brazilian team and then it gets to the final and it's just an awful game. Mm. Yeah. You know, goalless yeah. draw... Um, you know, even a penalty shootout that wasn't that good, actually. Yeah. There wasn't much to, to notice in it. But I think, and I'm going to do myself downhill, I'm going to dig myself into a bit, a bit of a hole, because I have chosen three football moments for my three favourite Barry Davis moments, but there's 
it's the versatility of his career that's so incredible. Mm. Um, I so much of what I do is gymnastics work. I love gymnastics. I grew up listening to Barry Davis, Christine Still, Mitch Fenner, the the, mm. the the greatest trio of gymnastics commentators there has ever been. They were just brilliant. And if you go back and see any of that stuff, Barry Davis is the consummate lead. He knows how to give you the humanity of a gymnastics competition. And it is. It's a very emotionally difficult thing to watch you know those moments where somebody needs to deliver a certain score on the beam and they have that little wobble and it all goes um he was brilliant at that and leaving uh, mitch and christine to do the technical stuff and, and bringing them in so so well he, he was just marvelous at that is it mitch who was originally his someone else's not barry davis actually was someone else's whisperer telling them yes. what the technical wow. parts were. Yeah. Didn't know that is that right? This is amazing. And I'm trying to think who it was. I want to say Ron Pickering, maybe. But um, So the original setup was that Mitch Fenner would basically would, would have headphones on, would whisper into uh, the ear of the, the, the commentator what was happening. But, of course, there'd be that little delay. So somebody would fly up in the air and then there'd be a short pause and the, you'd hear the commentator say, uh, you know, full twisting double back or whatever. Mm. Um, and then... Barry was asked to do some gymnastics, I think a world championships, and he uh, he said, well, I'll do it, but I will only do it if we actually bring Mitch in, because if he mm. if he's good enough to say those things to me in my headset, he's good enough to say them on air. Right. And it was an inspired thing, because Mitch Fenner turned out to be one of the great colour commentators ever in gymnastics. Mm. He, he, he was phenomenal at what he did. So Were there. there co-commentators before that? Was that a thing or was it normally just one person? I think for gymnastics it was just that. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, very very strange. So he, he kind of, not only did he did he create um, one of the great teams of, of broadcasting, he, he also kind of engineered a change in how we do gymnastics commentary. Mm. And people like me, you know, you, you want to you want to learn stuff about gymnastics, you listen to Mitch Fenner, you listen to Christine Still. They are the, the, the great expert voices. One of the things I love doing is, is analysing a bit of commentary. Mm. So if I could pick both your brains, gents, on some bits that we've got, and we'll do this actually anyway very shortly with Ollie, with your top three uh, Barry Davis moments. Um, we can pick over those. But... Um, one of the things, one of the great moments, uh, which isn't in your three, so spoiler there, <laughs> but um, is uh, Maradona's second goal, 1986 World Cup uh, match with England. Is this where he takes on the whole team? Uh, this is the one where he takes yeah. on the whole team. Messi copied him. Maradona, yeah. not Barry oh, Davis, just, just to clarify. It, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, exactly, yeah, from Maradona rather than Baza. So what I thought was, was, was difficult, because he has to be so quick there, because his co-commentator... Uh, actually is speaking when Maradona picks up the ball inside his own half, then has to wind it up quickly. But by that stage, Maradona's already hairing off. <laughs> yes. and, and Barry Davis tries to come in there and he comes in and says, uh, has Burruchaga to his left and Valdano to his left. And by that stage, Maradona's so quick, he mm. then wants to say, and it sounds like he says, he doesn't, and then he has to change that. And so he says, he does, he won't need any of them. Uh, and then the ball's already in the net. So he's yeah. had to be so quick. And, and it wouldn't have been the ideal way. You want to have been able to say, Maradona picks mm. the ball up in midfield. You know, lovely bit of skill. Track him all the way through. He has to come in. It's so difficult. Uh, and then he comes out with that line. Oh, you have to say that is magnificent. Yes. It's such a difficult thing to have said, given how the first goal was scored, given how he would have known how angry English fans would have been at home. Right? Yeah. That's what's so great about the line. Yeah. Because 
you have to say that's magnificent is what every English fan watching that game would have been feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I, there's nobody on the planet I hate more than that man right now, yeah. but you know what? That was magnificent. Yeah. And it's that ability that he has as a commentator to say what you are thinking at the yeah. exact moment you're thinking it. But, you know, you're begrudgingly feeling it. But you have to say it's magnificent. Yeah. Normally you don't enjoy personal opinion in commentary too much, but you're right. He has a way of, of saying the right thing. Yeah, and not over-opining as well. He yeah. did that. I think you enjoy his opinions because they're not thrown right at you yeah. so much. Let's have a listen to it right now. to do and uh, that ball was played through him but here's Maradon Uga has Borchaga to his left and Valdano to his left he doesn't he won't need any of them oh you have to say that's magnificent there is no debate about that goal that was just pure football genius and the crowd in the Azteca Stadium stand to him seriously good uh, piece of commentary and, and three parts that are amazing not just uh, you have to say that's magnificent but then there is no debate about that one and pure football genius it's brilliant no way that could have been scripted no way no so on that note should we analyse your top three that hasn't yes. made the top three it's, oh um, god do you know I, I, anyone who's listening to this who's a Barry Davis fan they, they're going to be furious <laughs> about the things that haven't made it in there and I will before I get to my number one I'm going to talk about some of the ones that haven't made it I'm furious about one of this. them uh, yes you know, okay that's that point, good stuff good. okay so um, yeah for me all of the choices they're they're all footballing moments because it's actually a little bit harder to find some of Barry's tennis and gymnastics work um, online. There's some hockey stuff there, which I'll, you know, oh, yes. again, is, is <laughs> one of the missing ones in my list. Um, all of these are reasonably personal to me, less so the first one I've chosen, um, but the, the, the numbers two and one are, are very personal to, to me um, from my time growing up watching football. So that's one of the reasons why I've chosen. So I start with my number three moment, which is from the Mexico 86 World Cup. England had lost to Portugal. They'd drawn with Morocco early on in the competition. They had to get a result against Poland, had to, to beat them. And the game had started in typical England, terrifyingly nervy fashion. And poor old Terry Fennick gives away the ball. Um, and Barry Davis, his response to this, he, he, firstly, it's just a noise. He goes, ah, and then it's you know mistake by Fennick. I think there are a lot of people who think Terry Fennick's first name is ah, <laughs> because of this bit of commentary. And it goes back to one of my core principles of commentary. It, the best moments of commentary are when you say what people at home are about to think. Yeah. And 20 million people at home have just gone, ah, or something worse. And he says it. And we feel it. And we are unified as a as broadcaster and audience in that moment. But then there's a brilliant bit after it, because it goes back to that Barry Davis ability to find exquisitely beautiful language and a moment of high drama. Poland breakaway, they nearly score. I think Terry Butcher and Peter Schultz somehow sort of rescue it and get the ball back. And then he says... But England cannot afford to commit crass errors like that one. We've got away with it twice. We cannot tempt fate further. Wow, that's bold, isn't it? It is beautiful. And it's so easy at that moment to just be angry at at the mistakes. But to get a word like crass in there... I mean, crass is a super word. 
and, and it really because it, it really describes that degree of bravura and arrogance with which one can play against a lower ranked team. Mm. He gets that in there superbly. What he also does is get that lovely moment of alliteration. We cannot tempt fate further, and it all comes out clean as a whistle. We've it's got to hear it. Super. Uh... Yeah, let's have a listen. Ah, by Fennick. And again, it's a three against two break. And this is Boniak and he's onside. Two trying to come to him. Oh, what an important put in by Terry Butcher. But England just cannot afford to make crass errors like that. We've got away with it twice. We cannot tempt fate further. Good. And before you explain it, I, I was struggling in my mind to work out what a crass error is, mm. you know, something that's re- really insulting to, to people. And when you put it like that, it's an arrogant or bravado. Yeah, it's, a, it's an error which is, which is obvious, isn't it? Don't make that mistake in that part of the pitch, Steve Fennick. Yeah. Terry Fennick. 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 Moment number two, uh, the Paul Gascoigne free kick. I think that probably meets with reasonably universal Fantastic approval, choice. to be honest. Again, the principle is the, you need the great moment to give you the great line very often. And this was an incredible moment. It's tied up in my own memories of football. I'm the Italian 90 generation. Um, that's when I... I'm one of those people that thinks Italian 90 was the best World Cup ever. And yeah. I, uh, you actually, when you go back and... You know, a lot of one-nil games there, you know. It was, so it's a bit of an attritional World Cup. But for me, it was a phenomenal World Cup. Um, and so the, after that season, the 1991 season, was when I started following football. And, uh, you know, I was, what, eight, nine years old. And here is the moment at Wembley, five minutes into the game, I think. It's, I think it's in the fifth minute uh, that, that this Gascoigne free kick comes in. It is one of those uh, physics-defying strikes of the ball. The trajectory it takes is, is just incredible. And his reaction is one of those beautiful lines. And it has that thing of Barry Davis having about five different beautiful lines or something for everyone in, mm. in the call of it. As it goes in, we've got the, you know, oh, I say. Let's just respond to the moment. There's nothing else you can say. Oh, I say again. That's what we're all doing. And then he says something that is simply, that is quite incredible. That is simply brilliant or something like that. Um, but then you get this magical bit of commentary. That is schoolboy's own stuff. Mm. Now, I didn't know at the time what schoolboy's own was mm. it took me years to discover it was a, a comic um right. so it's a kind of it's a you know a, a, a moment from a, a comic a sort of roy it, it, i suppose it's for you know later day you know roy or as we would go on later to say a roy of the rovers kind of moment i think even in 1991 it was an outdated thing schoolboys own because i certainly wasn't reading it but yet because of the title, Schoolboys Own, you kind of know what it means. Mm, you yeah, know yeah. it is a sort of fantasy moment. And it is a fantasy moment. It's, mm. it's, it's a, a great thing to pluck out. And sometimes we can be so obsessed with contemporary references in broadcasting. Yeah. It's actually nice to have a little bit of an antiquated yeah. reference in there. Um, then you have that moment where Terry Venables appears in shot. And there's the spontaneous thing. Barry Davis responds to seeing Terry Venables kind of smiling, shaking his head and goes, oh, I bet even he can't believe it. And then you have perhaps the really sad bit. You've, you've also got the line about one of the finest free kicks this stadium's ever seen. But you have the really sad line in there, which is, is there anything else left from this man to surprise us? 
And that is, yeah. in its time, absolutely perfect because you can't possibly envisage that Paul Gascoigne will, can do anything more. And then you go to the final and he commits a horrific challenge that he should have been sent off for in the opening minutes. He then ruptures his ligament with an even worse, or not maybe, a not as bad challenge, a matter of moments later, and his career was never quite the same again. And yet he still went on to score that goal against Scotland mm. in Euro 96. So when you look back at that with time, is there anything left from this man to surprise us? Yes, but in a really sad way. But you're saying that was almost the peak of peak of Gascoigne's career. Yeah, right maybe there. so. Wow. Maybe so. And, and and it's lovely when you go back and look at those lines. Actually, how prophetic in so many different ways that line turned out to be. Maverick has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say. Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Fantastic. I, you mentioned it as we were watching that, but... Um... The, is he going to have a crack as yeah, well? It I forgot it. to talk about that. That's that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. seeing it as it's about to happen. Yeah. Again, because you can bet there are people watching that going, is he going to have a crack? Yeah. Is he actually yeah. going to shoot from there? And that yeah. language as well. They'd have used exactly that language yes. whilst watching yes. the TV. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's he still the language I would use to this day. It's yeah. still the way I speak. <laughs> I'm. Um, I, I need to pay a little... Uh, homage to the ones that didn't make it in, just as a sort of apology right. yeah. to everyone out there that's foaming at the mouth right now <laughs> and, and uh, you know furious with me. For uh, obviously the one that I haven't put in there that's so well and is you just look at his face. Mm. The reason I haven't put it in is it's just way before my time as as a viewer. So I I appreciate it as a wonderful bit of commentary, but it, I don't have a sort of connection to that. I don't have a you know. A, I don't know the sort of Francis Lee story. I've, I've read retrospectively about it, but it isn't from my world. And I think there are a lot of people, if they're a bit older than me, would put that as the number one moment. Uh, Barry's own autobiography is called Interesting, Very Interesting. Mm. The other one that I haven't um, chosen is uh, what he was going to... Also, he thought about calling his autobiography, which is frankly, who cares? Um, <laughs> which is the hockey one from the '88 Olympics. Is that, that is, right? Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. When, Where um, are the Germans? And frankly, who so, cares? Yeah. yeah. That is a great game name for an autobiography. Yeah, frankly, who it cares? It must have taken a real decision not to call it yeah. that because <laughs> that's, that's right. very, very funny. Very good. Um, and uh, there's another one that I really think is wonderful, and I think it's from the 1977 European Cup final. And with such simplicity, surely the European Cup is won, mm. which mm. is lovely. And I think that might be in the same game where there's, uh, oh, Tommy Smith, what an end to a career, where Smith scores, I think, his last game in, in the, the final. So those are lovely moments. They're not from my sphere of experience at the time, which is why they haven't made it in. This one, for me, has, and I suspect for a lot of people, it is their number one moment as well. Maradona, his first World Cup, who didn't pick him in 78, he was sent off. Beautifully pulled down by Bergkamp! Oh, what a goal! Dennis Bergkamp has won it for Holland! That was 
Well, on that note, Ollie, why don't we listen to some of your commentary um, and two clips we've got uh, from the last three years or so, and we'll listen to them first, and then you can sort of talk us through them and uh, how they came about. I should say that these are two of your highlights in your career. Yeah, I would I'd definitely, definitely say okay. that. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Can't wait to hear it. Danger of the counter-attack when you're pushing for the equalising goal. Big hit from distance. What a fantastic strike that is! And it's Tanneroo in. And if you're ever going to score your first goal for your country, that's not a bad way to do it. And actually, if you're ever going to have your first commentary on Olympic Games that's not a bad way to do <laughs> yeah. it either Ollie. that's Rio 2016 yes your first Olympic Games it was it was my first call at an Olympics actually and I got very lucky because um, oh, let's be clear all great commentary uh, in the eyes of the beholder um, because one person's great bit of commentary is another person's awful bit of commentary all great commentary comes from great sport in the first place you need great sport and I got really lucky there was a fantastic goal in that game it was five it was South Africa versus China in the um, women's football tournament a great goal five minutes from the end by a Chinese player called Tan Ruyin and she just welled it in from close to the halfway line mm. it, it, it was a 40 yard strike quite sensational goal yeah towards the end of the game yeah it was it was the 86th minute or something like that and what was really interesting about it a lot of people mentioned that goal to me because I think the BBC used it as one of their moments of day one of the games it just kept getting replayed right at the start of, of, of the Olympics um, yeah just great fun to get to call it actually and did uh, how did it go with you when, when the goal's going in or it's in you've suddenly gone wow that is a 40 yard goal yeah this game hasn't had anything like that up until now despite it being I think it was it was a good game. It was a good game. It was a really good game. Yeah, there, there, there were... The there, penny drops, you have to go, right. Yes, there are distinct phases. So firstly, I get really lucky because South Africa are attacking and are, the exact moment I say, because they're really pushing for an equaliser, I say, like, you know, always the danger of being caught on the counter-attack. Mm. And that's a really fluky moment where that happens where the exact moment you say what the danger is, the danger happens. happens right yeah. then and there. Um, as she was striking the ball... I, it was one of those ones where you know that is going pretty damn close, if not in, yeah. from the moment she hit it, because it's just a, a really lovely connection. Um, goalkeeper, for those of you who obviously you, you know, haven't seen this, it, it, goalkeeper's on her line yeah. and gets yeah. beaten on her line. And it is, OK, she, she's not happy about it, but it's still a pretty spectacular goal. Goes in off the bar as well, which is really nice. But my head went back at the moment that the ball hit the bar to a bit of research I was doing in prep for the game where I noticed that one player had played I think 49 or something times for the national team without ever scoring and it was so odd that I triangulated it from as many different sources as I possibly could to make sure that that was right. How can this midfielder have played a half century of games without ever having scored. Yeah, and it yeah. stuck in my head so much that I must be wrong. I've got to check this. Mm. That when I discovered I was right... And I how, did you, how did you triangulate it then? You had internet. So I had the, the, the Olympic 
database that we have access to as commentators, okay. which told me no goals. I then went to the Chinese football um, federation's website to find it out, and I also went somewhere to one of those many football databases to be sure that she had never scored. I even typed into YouTube Tan Ruyin goal just to see if anything came up. There yeah. were no Tan Ruyin goals. So when that went in, I just I thought. And you can hear it in the commentary. There's a, a pause. There's a couple, couple of cogs turning in your yeah, brain, isn't there? Exactly. And I go, hang Grinding. on a minute. That's her first ever goal. And in your head, you go, that's not a bad way to score your first goal for your yeah. country. And you find you've just said that. Yeah. <laughs> so so then we go. It does show the importance um, of just having complete faith in yeah. what you've got on your sheet. Not nothing that you've scribbled on there can be. Can you not have complete faith in? Because if you pause, mm. you've missed the moment. And at worst. If it's wrong, it's it's wrong. See, you're both thinking from commentators' view there. Like, I honestly thought that, you know, that came completely from you. That felt so natural. The the gears you went through, um, felt like you were really enjoying the game, and it was like I was watching it with you in your living room. Which and that is how you would talk at the TV screen. Super. Do you know that's the loveliest thing to hear actually from a, from an audience member? Is it felt like you were watching yeah. the game with yeah. me? Because I was told very early on as a commentator, um, have a conversation with one person. Yeah. Yeah. And that advice has really stuck with me, is, is don't try to, to create a big moment, just talk to someone who's, yeah. who's watching the game. And yes, I, I, did, I was thinking those things, but I wasn't actively thinking, if you know what I, yeah. I mean, because the action's so fast. And definitely my best calls you know, come when I don't think of what's happening, where, where you just respond to the action there. Mm. Well, it felt like that, definitely. Let's have a listen now to the second clip we've got, which is... Esther Ledetska, the Czech Republic snowboarder, who also is fairly good at skiing, <laughs> and won a gold medal in each sport at uh, Pyeongchang 2018. Uh, Oli, your second Olympics this then, and um, what a moment to be able to call. It uh, wasn't quite the complete surprise of the skiing, but you must have known it was coming, and, uh, and I, think it's a, I think it's a really good moment. So let's have a listen, and then let's have a chat. Very nice, very nice, and and there's lots of drama in there. But I just want to get in the fact that you've got Olympic Winter Games in there in the right order for the IOC <laughs> yeah. for the way they refer to their um, uh, you Winter must have Games. Known that moment was big and was going to be used yeah. again and again. It's not the Winter Olympics. It's not the Winter Olympic Games. It's the Olympic Winter Games, and you've yeah. got to get that in the right order. Yeah, exactly. Um, they told Esther Ledetska, coaches early on in her career, in fact, even quite recently, they told her, you cannot do snowboarding and skiing <laughs> together. It doesn't work. You're going to have to choose. I mean, it's a story which is just... It, the mind it just can't compute how no. how that's even allowable or how it's possible. So if, again, it's if such you, a good story. For those who, who don't really know who Esther Ledetska is, she, she won the uh, Super G gold in the skiing by a hundredth of a second... Some TV companies had actually gone home. They packed up, yeah. had stopped the broadcast because they knew who'd won it. It was over. And then Ledesca turns up and wins by a hundredth of a second, takes the gold on ski she'd borrowed from Michaela Schifrin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Doesn't so, celebrate for about 30 seconds. No. Because she, she's looking at the clock going, 
Have they definitely got that yeah, right? she kept asking, is this real, apparently? Um, and then what happens, and I was lucky because I was doing the victory ceremonies, I got to actually um, t- to narrate her getting that medal. So that's when she really appeared on my radar as a commentator. I'm then calling the parallel giant slalom snowboarding and the story of the day. And you have to be careful as a commentator not to write the story before it's actually happened. But the story of the day was that, is she going to go on and take her second gold medal? Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, it was not actually a particularly close race. She, you know, you had time before she crossed the line to actually... Um, narrate the fact that she had won the gold and again uh, what was in my head at the time it was not a line I'd I'd prepared was this isn't supposed to happen because you nobody had ever she nobody had even competed in skiing and snowboarding at the same games so then to go on to win two medals to win two gold medals everything about it is not supposed to happen yeah it's just uh, what what an amazing athlete just incredible one of the great Olympians yeah to Segway from that, and something you said there about how you had time in that one to um, know that she's going to win. Maybe about a second or yeah, a second yeah, and a half. Yeah, I would say so. So you can sort of prepare for that moment, and there's no way she can crash at that point and not cross the line first. So that's quite nice. It, I think football's unique in that you get these moments that come out of absolutely nowhere instantly, and you've got less than half a second to suddenly have to call a goal. Yeah. Um, and you know, sports like rugby, you, you can see a try coming sometimes. Uh, sometimes from from five seconds out. So, um, but football, you have to go from zero to one hundred almost instantly, um, and yeah, that's so difficult. And Barry Davis is one of the best at that, um, and I think that's where all that guttural, um, yes, yeah. visceral stuff comes from with him because uh, it just happens so quickly, and, and there's no other reaction other than, "Wow, oh, how lovely a goal that was." I will see you football, and I'll raise you floorball, okay. which is. Um, Again, for those who don't know it, it's an indoor hockey-style sport. It is the fastest thing that I have ever called. I've had the pleasure of calling um, a a World Championships back in December and a World Games, and and we'll be going on to do another World Championships later in the year. That is the the absolute epitome of you have no time to to study things carefully because the action just happens. Um, But that's great fun. It's the same again in gymnastics. Somebody goes for a, a big release and catch on the bar, and they miss the bar. You, the, the amount of time you have is the amount of time it takes them to land on the mat. Yeah. The, the, it's, it's an instant kind of thing, which I think is really enjoyable. That contrasted with, I've, I've called things like bowls. Now, in bowls, you've got a long time to know that shot's going to miss. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that is, that's a, a, a different skill, and, and is really yeah. interesting to how do you choose when to speak and when not to speak how do you trace that you know shot falling away or falling into place Mm, mm. that uh, brings us right round to the wrap really of everything we've got to say on the matter at the moment Um, tomorrow we'll think of several things which we wish we'd said (laughs) that's the nature of being a commentator (laughs) exactly the line just five seconds after you've said something completely different which just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening to this pod. Um, there'll be more coming your way from wherever you found this one, so stay tuned. Um, Griff, thank you very much for uh, for your thoughts as always. My pleasure. Um, and Ollie, thank you very much for joining us for the first one, for the Barry Davis inauguration into uh, some sort of physical embodiment of these pods. Let's call it a biscuit tin. Barry Davis is the first biscuit 
in the biscuit tin. Um, <laughs> well, I think that's a moving sentiment. <laughs> I really do. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to get the chance to talk about, um, you know, a, a real commentary hero of mine. So. And it's um, thank you for your time because you're a busy man at the moment. What? Very briefly, what's coming up for you? So I've got um, Davis Cup tennis quarterfinals is my next thing. USA okay. versus Belgium, which will be great. I called USA Australia last year in the quarters as well. So nice to 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 go back and call another one. I'm then off to Belgium for the World Acrobatic Gymnastics Championships. Come back from there and I've got uh, a whole series of gymnastics World Cup commentary for the, the, the regular season to take me to the end of this month. And then next month is, uh, among other things, acrobatic, uh, aerobic, sorry, World Gymnastics Championships in Portugal. So it's a very gymnastics-y time with some tennis and some WTA tennis put in there as well. So Excellent. Very fun. Okay, well... Um... Have all the best, and thank uh, thanks for joining us in the kitchen. Thank you.